Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where this morning my good colleague Daniel Payne broke some big news on the Anthony Fauci front, on COVID-19, on gain of function. More and more and more of the official story that the public health officials and the intelligence community and the anti-Trump establishment gave us in 2020, trying to counter President Trump's arguments on how to deal with COVID-19, how to investigate it, where it came from. They're all unraveling. The official storyline is unraveling, just like it unraveled for Russia collusion, just like it unraveled on Ukraine, just like it unraveled on the bogus story of Russian bounties on American soldiers' heads in Afghanistan. Uh, The media, the government establishment, the democratic machinery, have sold us, it appears, another bogus story. Why do I say that? Well, remember, there were just a couple of weeks ago, there was this epic question and answer between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci, the head of all infectious disease research in America, our infectious disease chief. Uh, And he point blank asked Anthony Fauci multiple ways, did you fund gain of function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, could this have been a lab leak? And, and the doctor, Dr. Fauci, said, no, I did not. We now have new emails released this week under the Freedom of Information Act that Daniel Payne is writing about this morning in which he, Dr. Fauci, sends an urgent request to his deputy as the coronavirus is spreading out of China, starting to become a global pandemic. This is in February 1st, 2020, so right right at the beginning of the crisis point, and he asks his chief deputy at the NIAID, his agency, the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases, hey, keep your cell phone on, have urgent work, and he forwards a document uh, about two researchers who had a connection to NIH, uh, and the title of the document involves gain-of-function research about coronaviruses. Oh, wait a second. Why would we be inquiring on that if they didn't have any such research? And if the NIH didn't think that maybe there was a connection, and it gets better a few hours after Fauci sends the keep your cell phone on email and sends the uh, research document about gain of function, we 
find out that his deputy wrote back uh, a, a pretty provocative line. Uh, the deputy's name is Auchincloss, well-known, and Auchincloss alluded to it and said, the paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain-of-function pause, but have since been reviewed and approved by NIH. All right, they're talking about gain-of-function experiments that had been done just before Barack Obama as president froze gain-of-function research because of its dangers, but that's a pretty big deal. Certainly an inference that some in the NIH and Dr. Anthony Fauci's world knew that gain-of-function had occurred and that he was alerted to it. I want to give you one other thing because it looks like Fauci's scrambled effort to find out about gain-of-function from his deputy, tasking his deputy to get going on this, may have been prompted a day earlier on January 31st. 2020, when a well-respected researcher, Christian Anderson, an immunology professor at the Scripps Research Institute, wrote the NIH an assessment that was given by himself and several of his colleagues at SARS-CoV-19, you know, SARS-CoV-2, otherwise known as COVID-19, looked like it was, quote, potentially engineered. I'm just going to read this email. All find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Anderson wrote Fauci. He writes this directly to Fauci. Still, further analysis to be done on the matter before determination could be made. But several weeks ago, Anderson and several researchers would claim in a research paper that SARS-CoV-19 is not a laboratory construct or a purposely manipulated virus. Which story is right? Which version's right? And now let's go back. January, February, March, Fauci says it was a naturally occurring lab, uh, a naturally occurring virus, and that it may have occurred in um, the wilds and not in a laboratory, and that gain of function wasn't involved. He's held that line. Uh, just last week, for the first time, he said he was not no longer convinced that this was a natural virus. <laughs> Big turn. But in the early days of the pandemic, he was being told this virus looked to be engineered and that the research lab in Wuhan appeared to have done some NIH-sanctioned gain-of-function research. This is an explosive revelation. It calls into question, doesn't disprove, but it calls into question Dr. Fauci's testimony to Senator Rand Paul, and it calls into question the greater public scientific community. Were they lying to us all last year? I know some of you think yes, some of you think no, we don't know yet, but we're going to keep reporting. And I think tomorrow we're going to have another bombshell, so stay tuned. Look for Daniel Payne's byline on another story. There was follow-up to these emails. Looks like something was smelling pretty rotten in Denmark. We're going to get to the bottom of it tomorrow. All right, in a few seconds, we've got an extraordinary interview with David Horowitz, a man who began as a Marxist, communist, leftist in America, and slowly over the course of his life became a strong conservative. Uh, uh, once ran a group leftist for Reagan, but really evolved into a full conservative over the course of his life. He's got a brand new book out, and he has some very, very, very strong feelings about the Biden agenda, the Democratic agenda, and the tactics he says are putting the America we all know 
in jeopardy. You're going to want to hear this interview. He has been a, a powerful voice in the conservative movement for more than 50 years. Uh, David Horowitz, you're going to want to hear this interview in just a little bit. All right, a couple more things before we go to the break. Just real quick, small little headlines that say volumes about the state of America. Number one, here we go. You know, Andrew Cuomo is under federal investigation for misreporting the number of nursing home deaths due to COVID-19 in his state. Guess what? He's not going to foot the bill for his lawyers. Guess who is? The New York taxpayers. You can check that story out at justthenews.com. A lot of people talking about that. Why do we get to fund his legal defense for messing up such a policy? Uh, It's not in doubt that Cuomo messed it up. Even his own attorney general says so. But the taxpayers have to foot the bill, not Andrew Cuomo, not even his not even his campaign fund. No personal accountability. Taxpayers will cover for his mistakes, his inaccurate reporting that misled the United States government. How about that? And uh, let's go to sunny California. I know some of you think it's free land. I, I love California. It's a beautiful place. That uh, uh, what gave rise to Ronald Reagan. It gave rise to some of the great movies of our time. Uh, but. Uh, you know, it does have some corny, kooky politics sometimes, but an interesting dynamic is emerging. There is a new poll out in California that says school parents, parents of school children, have lower confidence in public education and more interest in school choice after the COVID-19 fiasco of teachers refusing to teach classrooms last year. Uh, check out that poll. If California is trending that way, and it tends to be a blue liberal state that loves teachers unions, what are the polling lines in other parts of the country. I have a funny feeling this is a trend line that may carry across the country. All right, you can check both of those out at justthenews.com. When we come back, our exclusive interview with David Horowitz. You do not want to miss it. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a person who has had a tremendous impact on the dialogue in America for a very long time. Uh, You've probably seen the great work of his Freedom Center. Uh, I'm certainly certain you read one or more of his books, and he's got a new one out today. His name is David Horowitz, and he is one of the most influential thinkers in the conservative movement in a very long time. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. You have a book out, and for me, well, for many people, it will be a clarion call, but for me, I've heard you talking about this moment for about 10 years, going back to the time I was editor of the Washington Times. You were warning about this slow, creeping crawl towards the totalitarian movement in America, and your new book, The Enemy Within, how a totalitarian movement is destroying America, really, I think, pulls together stuff that you've been warning about and chronicling as it's happened in real time for 10 years. A lot of people are waking up saying, how did I get to this moment? But not David Horowitz. You've been on this case for a long time. Tell us what inspired you to write this book. Well, I realize that the hour is very late. The Democrat Party is a racist party. I mean, their policies are 
uh, overtly racist. They're going to um, redistribute income on the basis of skin color. So they have all these programs. Um, they call them equity programs. Right. To take money from taxpayers and give it to black and brown people as though black and brown people don't have equal opportunities already in our society. They're anti-American. Who would blow up the southern border in the midst of a global pandemic? And they put, if I can use the phrase, illegal aliens in front of American citizens. They're letting in 100,000 coronavirus carriers by by their own estimates this year. Who would do that? Um, you know, they want to rearm Iran with nuclear weapons. Is what, what's going to happen if they're successful? Uh, the Democrat Party has carried out for the last decade or more uh, a, a plan to make America a one-party state. They've attacked voter IDs as though that having a voter ID or requiring one to authenticate that you're an actual citizen and you're alive, uh, that's voter suppression. Wow. Uh, As though minorities are too stupid to be able to obtain voter IDs. They're, They're so racist. You can't get food stamps without a voter ID. You can't get welfare. You can't get prescription drugs, and you can't get it to the Democratic convention. It's just a plan, part of their plan to create a one-party state. They've demonized Republicans. You can't run a democracy uh, if there's not a certain amount of collegiality and decency between opposing parties. People right. can say harsh things in campaigns, but you can't do what the Democrats did, which was to refuse to recognize the legitimacy of Trump's election and to conduct you know, four years of sabotage of his presidency, denying him no achievement that he made, and he made amazing ones. Uh, you know, start... start starting with the uh, the vaccine, which we would not have today if a Democrat were in the White House or anybody but Trump, strong-arming the FDA and the pharmaceutical companies and whatnot to get it done swiftly. Um, the worst thing is what they're doing now, which is they've taken the January 6th breach of the Capitol, which compared to hundreds of riots over the summer conducted by Democrat voters uh, was pretty mild. They broke into the Capitol. They didn't burn the Capitol. They didn't destroy the Capitol. Um, And the only person who was killed was actually murdered, was a Trump supporter who was murdered in cold blood by a Capitol police officer that uh, Nancy Pelosi is protecting. Um, Yet the Democrats have called it an armed insurrection. There wasn't a single arm confiscated uh, and and has labeled anybody who questions the 2020 election result as a domestic terrorist. This, they compared this uh, incident uh, 
to what Pearl Harbor, the Holocaust, 9-11, particularly 9-11, and they've called Trump supporters domestic terrorists, when the only actual terror that's been carried out has been carried out by people on the left, as anybody can see. They turned it an armed insurrection, although there were no arms confiscated. And the idea is to make opposition to Democrat racism treason. This is, you know, it's the end of our country if they succeed this time. They have, they've got this bill, uh, HR1, the so-called For the People Act. They act like totalitarians. They give things, you, you know, they call infrastructure babysitting uh, so that people can't vote on the issue of whether we should be spending so much money, you know, even if childcare is important, do we have the money to spend on it? You don't even get to see that because it's all infrastructure, like it's bridges and roads. Right. Um, yeah. The, the... This is the way totalitarians behave. And my book, The Enemy Within, is about the totalitarian nature of the Democrat Party and their agendas. There will not be American democracy if they win this next election. Oh, those are those are that's a strong prediction, and I want to I, I want to take back people because a lot of people don't realize you started your journey, your ideological journey on the left, the new left back in the fifties and sixties, and over time you evolved in, into you know I would clearly as a journalist call a conservative. I want you to label yourself, but but um, talk a little bit I'm about. A, I'm a John F. Kennedy, a John F. Kennedy conservative. Yes, John F. Kennedy has a, a politics. That today would be called, you know, extreme right wing and yeah, domestic he'd be, terrorist. He'd be called a conservative today. It's <laughs> remarkable to think that. And yeah. um, I was brought up by communists. Wow. And uh, everybody that uh, my whole community were card carrying communists, the only people we trusted. Right. They all they were nice people if you didn't get involved uh, crosswise with them politically. Right. They all wanted Stalin to win the Cold War. Wow. Um, I grew up in the... And these are people in America. You grew up with people in America that wanted him to win, right? Yeah, well, now this, the communist movement, you know, it is the Democrat Party. They want... Look, the what I call the terror caucus, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, they want Hamas to win. They want terrorists that hate America, they hate Israel. Um, the Biden administration, the first thing they has come in and they try to reform the Iran deal where the Iranian leaders are chanting death to America yeah. and of course death to Israel and the Jews. Yep. Uh, we, our country is beginning to look like a third world com- uh, country. I'm beating up Jews in the streets. This is what happened in the 1930s in, uh, in Nazi Germany for crying out tears. And this is the left. Yeah. And, and where's the Democrats standing up and complaining about this? And why is Ilhan Omar and uh, Cortez, why are they on, on committees? Why is Nancy Pelosi protecting them? It's because it's so powerful in the Democrat Party. It, so I, I was then, just going over my autobiography yeah. briefly, I, I, of course, when Khrushchev revealed that Stalin had actually killed more people than, than anti-communists like Buckley even were claiming. Um, uh, 
you know, I, like many red diaper babies, is what we call ourselves, uh-huh. uh, wanted to rescue socialism from the stain of Stalinism. So we formed the New Left. I was the editor of the largest magazine of the New Left, Rampart. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, I believed our own propaganda that the Black Panthers were the forerunners of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, were victims of a racist state. Um, I, I raised a lot of money. I bought a church in East Oakland with the, uh, it was over $100,000 and had classrooms. It became the center of their operations. And I stupidly thought that if we didn't keep the books uh, of the school, I had created a tax-exempt foundation to support it, uh, that it would be put out of business by racist America. Um, and the Panthers murdered the woman I recruited to do the bookkeeping for the school. She was 42 years old and the mother of three children. And at the same, this happened at the same time in the early 70s. Um, Actually, within, it was within two months of the discovery of Betty Van Patter's body and her head bashed in right. San Francisco Bay, that the left got its biggest victory in the Cold War, which was to drive America out of Vietnam. And the communists immediately came in, won, and proceeded to slaughter two and a half million Indo-Chinese peasants. There wasn't a single demonstration by the so-called anti-war movement um, against the slaughter. And I realized I was in an evil movement. These people were not about justice or peace. They were about hating America. They were just anti-American radicals, which is what Black Lives Matter is. They don't give a two hoots about black people. Uh, they're Marxists and they're America haters and they're violent criminals and psychopaths like uh, Patrice Cullors, their leadership, they're sociopathic, um, and they're completely in the bosom of the Democrat Party. And you, you, the first thing they demanded was that Joe Biden uh, attack systemic racism. So Biden said, uh, almost his first speech, America, every aspect of American life is touched by systemic racism, yeah. which is a monstrous, monstrous lie. Systemic racism was outlawed in 1964 by the Civil Rights Act. There were 18,000 police departments. If one of them or 10 of them or 100 or 1,000 were guilty of systemic racism, there would be a tsunami of lawsuits and billions of dollars collected for obvious violations of the law. There are no such lawsuits because there is, the, there is no systemic racism. The only systemic racism is affirmative action. And affirmative action had to get a, um, um, a pass from the Supreme Court precisely because it's illegal under American laws. So the whole Democrat Party now is organized according to a Black Lives Matter slander of the country, saying there's systemic racism everywhere. These are very dangerous and very bad people. 
Now, when and, you were... And, you know, our leader is a... He's an Alzheimer puppet. I mean, I, they had a video clip of Nancy Pelosi being asked by Jen Psaki if they should let Biden uh, answer reporters' questions. And Pelosi's answer, we don't want him to talk. Wow. We don't even know who's running the country. Wow. It's one of the great crimes of our history that the Democrat Party put up a basket case for president. And that, of course, with the aid of a completely corrupt media, you know, they so slander Trump uh, and so protected Biden. Um, and, and we're we're seeing know, some of that unravel right now with, with the COVID-19 origins and the reversal of that story. Of course, the Russia story reversed. I want to take you back to something because the, the, the line that the current Democratic Party is using, this systemic racism, was the line of the Marxists in the 50s and 60s when you first got involved with the new left. How, uh, how did the Marxist talking points become the Democratic Party's talking points? I mean, it's been an evolution. Right? It's been 50 years. Um, I've mean, read a lot about this. You have. You're, you're an expert on it. In 1968, Hubert Humphrey was a Democrat nominee right? for president. Yep. Humphrey was a 95% ADA liberal. I mean, 95% of his positions were, you know, liberal orthodox. Right. But he supported the Vietnam War. He was an anti-communist. That yep. was his sin. And Tom Hayden, whom I knew uh, and, uh, at the time, organized a riot at the Democratic Convention. I, I, w- I was editing Ramparts. I wouldn't let my reporters go there because I knew there was going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Because that was that was Hayden's aim. And, and the whole purpose of it was to destroy Humphrey's chances. And they regarded Nixon as a fascist. And it was they had this idea of the worse, the better. You get a fascist, and it'll be easier to make a revolution. Right. When, the elect, when Humphrey lost, Hayden and Fonda, his wife, led the left, which had been trying to burn down the country in the 60s. There were a thousand bombing attacks in the 60s and 70s uh, by these people. They marched into the Democrat Party, formed these radical caucuses, and spent the next 50 years infiltrating and taking over the Democrat Party, which they did with the election of Barack Obama. Was the same background I do. He was raised by communists. His mentor was a Soviet agent. Um, and the difference between us is when I saw that I was involved with an evil movement, the first thing I wanted to do was warn people of the dangers. And Obama never left the communist left. Never left it. And his racism has come out. You know, he, he stoked the fires of racism. Um, beginning with his Trayvon Martin comment, but he's doing it over and over again now. He's a he's a he's a smart operator. So oh, his political acumen is, is yeah. he's hated, part of the hate of America left. When you speak yeah. out against this, you get branded as a hate monger yourself, and yet you're you're trying to confront in you know hatred and and racism. How have you been able to, to, to deal with the attacks that come from you know, places like the Southern Poverty Law Center and others who try to silence you by portraying well, you as extremists when I've you're speaking out against it. hatred? Yeah, I've written about it in, the, in this book, The yeah. Enemy Within. Yep. I gave a speech for ALEC, which is uh, 
an association of state right. legislatures, yeah. bipartisan. And I, there's one sentence in my speech. My speech was mainly a criticism of Republicans for being spineless. Mm-hmm. But there was one sentence where I gave as an example, Republicans controlled whatever it was, 30 state legislators, legislatures, and yet um, uh, the racist organization, this is one sin, Black Lives Matter, um, has been given the curriculum in uh, California schools, and the Muslim Brotherhood has been, the curriculum in Philadelphia schools has been turned over to the Muslim Brotherhood in the, through care. Um, that was my crime. Uh, 79 leftist organizations organized a boycott of this organization, Alec, that I have spoken for. Um, uh, you know, Verizon, I mean, there were AT&T. Not one of these corporations read my speech. Not one sentence that I, you know, I've written billions of words. Right. Not one sentence that I've written, uh, you know, was uh, identified as racist. They just take it on the word. Uh, of, you know, the yeah. left, they just accuse you. It's, there's no requirement that facts be present to it. Yeah. yeah, it is. There's no, no requirement no that they can back it up. It's all asserted. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the conspiracy when, when, theory. When is Biden given an example of systemic racism? Yeah. You know, he just lies. It's unbelievable. The speech he gave yesterday, you know, he, he said that we'd have more black entrepreneurs, but they can't get lawyers or accountants. That's a slander against black people. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, there are thousands of black lawyers. There are. And many successful. Attorneys, attorneys general. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and it's a slander of white people. We're yeah. crying out to you. It's actually, you know, I, I can't remember. I think it was Muhammad Ali. And, you know, not to contribute to a stereotype, but Jewish accountants and lawyers. Yeah. He was surrounded with them even when he was, uh, you know, part of the nation of Islam. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. The Biden is such a piece of, you know, you know what? I... <laughs> oh, he's the nastiest, most racist, disgusting human being that's ever occupied the yeah, White you, House. You clearly have been and outspoken. That's a lot. Yeah, you, you've been outspoken in your criticism of Biden. I want to ask you, I want to flip this around for a second. If... Uh, the the nation is at this tipping point, as you argue in the book, and I think you make a very strong case why we're at a tipping point and why the next two to four years are maybe the most decisive years in the American experience thus far. What do you recommend? How do people who share these concerns, as you do and I do and many others, how do you turn this around? What are the levers of power? There's two things. Yep. One is you have to start calling things by their right names. The Democrat Party is a fascistic party. It wants to suppress and silence and criminalize its opposition. And it's been systematically doing that without any internal opposition from people in the party. So you cannot win. In in politics, the weapons are words. When Nancy Pelosi is calling all Republicans enemies of the state, and armed insurrectionists, and white supremacists, and racists, and traitors, which is what she and the whole Democrat leadership that, uh, is doing. And our side is saying, 
is calling the Democrats liberals, we're going to lose. People have to just get up the courage to start calling them racist. I mean, Trump has, you know, set the way. The, the only Republican I know who called a Democrat, and it was Elijah Cummings, it was a black Democrat, a racist, and he was, is Donald Trump. The only Republican I know who's referred to the left as fascist is Donald Trump. So you have to change the language. You've got to be prepared to fight and take the hits. And you do it because we're going to lose our country if you don't. The second thing is that Trump has given a great gift to, uh, to all patriots in that he's created the first mass, conservative mass movement in our history, or certainly in my lifetime. Yep. When I came into the right 40 years ago and looked around, the first thing I said is, where's the ground army? You have all these leftist organizations harassing, attacking, yep. suing. Yeah, they sue. Yeah, they sue too. Yep. CEOs of companies and politicians until they get on. People are scared of them. When you call somebody a racist, it has an effect. So you have to call them back, and then people have to go in their face, use the fact that Trump has created this mass movement, the hundreds of thousands of people have attended his rallies. You have to get in the face of these teachers who don't give a damn about the kids. They're just political activists. Imagine, you know, there was no danger to the teachers to keep the schools open, but they let the kids suffer and took salaries in the process. You have to get in the face of the principals and the school board. Uh, you know, I, I'll know we're turning this around when I see there's a sit-in at the headquarters of Twitter and Facebook making the, and I'm not advocating violence or anything, just get in their faces and make them harass them because they're censoring uh, they're censoring patriots actually but Republicans and conservatives and turning the country over to the hate America left. When I see that happening, I'll know we got a shot. Yeah, well, it's going to be, you know, this, this 2022 election, I've, I've covered many elections, not as many as you've been around for, but I've covered a lot in my 30 plus years as a journalist. This election is setting up to be one of the most epic and important in American history because it will either give the Democrats the go button to uh, do everything else they want to do in their agenda, or it'll be a stop moment where the Republicans can block the rest of the Biden agenda and, and set up. Support the audit. Support the audit. Yeah. The, the, the last part of my book it's, is, is about all the problematic irregularities in the last election. Yes. Nobody knows whether, I mean, I, I, I think you have to be smoking something to think that the Democrats won legitimately. Uh, and of course, that makes me a traitor in Nancy Pelosi's eyes. That's the most terrific thing you can do is question an election result. Right. But we know. Uh, you know, yeah, Trump got 10 million more votes, 10 million more votes by their count yep. than he got in the previous election, where no incumbent president, whether it's Franklin Roosevelt or whatever, ever got more votes, or Barack Obama, did not, they got fewer votes. Right, in their second, second election, yeah. And you have to believe that Joe Biden, who couldn't assemble a crowd of 100 people 
this basket case. Well, they didn't fit into his basement, of course. That he got 16 <laughs> million more votes than Obama. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, there's. So, listen, the interesting thing the is. The integrity and, of the elections is the big yeah, fight, right? It now. is. It is. And, and there's really good things going on where people are getting down to a granular level. Uh, just yesterday, uh, the Wisconsin legislature, uh, which was run by Republicans, uh, stepped up and said, listen, we are going to ban the idea that an election clerk can take a bad ballot, a ballot that doesn't scan or doesn't meet the standards, and fix it themselves, basically determine the intent of the voter. Wisconsin is going to end that. Uh, Wisconsin already has a Supreme Court ruling, right? That said 200,000 people wrongfully. Yeah, look, the, the sad truth is yep. the Democrats could never have gotten away with these election thefts if it weren't for Republican legislatures. Yeah, they were asleep at the switch. Five out of six of the battleground states. Yep. The legislatures were controlled by feckless Republicans who didn't stand up for their country. Yeah, and there's a lot of truth to that. And now, belatedly, it seems that they're being activated to do things that they should have done before the 2020 election. Listen, the Democrats yeah. put their playbook out there. David Pluff said exactly what they were going to do, and Republicans sat there and yawned. And and I think now uh, the moment of tightening up these rules and and doing it. What, I want to ask you about one episode because I think it uh, summarizes a lot and it happened well after your book was published. But um, I thought it was a remarkable moment. Didn't get the attention it deserved when the, the Democratic mayor of Chicago said, I won't talk to white reporters. I will only give interviews. She's a racist. Yeah. yeah we would, like, imagine if a Republican every, said that about black reporters. Yeah. Well, I'm doing a series in, in my magazine, frontpagemag.com. Right. On racist mayors. I can tell you, they're Democrats. Yeah. And they're all over. The mayor of Atlanta, the mayor of Washington, uh, the mayor of St. Louis. They're all racist, overt racist. Uh, but because they're anti-white racists, it's okay. That, no. That's, this that's debate, the way our culture is structured no. right now. Well, it's... It, yeah. uh, there may Boy be some... Lightfoot is a disgrace. Yeah. And he's killing people. Yeah, I no, mean, listen, the, the violence the on blacks. Black death. Yep. Black people getting killed by black criminals who've been given a, a license to kill by Democrats is astounding. Yeah, it and, is. And the fact that you don't have a Democrat complaining is even more astounding. Yeah, it, there's very it's few. predictable. Defund the police will lead, you know, to a crime wave. Yep. And... And now they're realizing it because they're refunding the police. Uh, they've gone back. They realize the folly of uh, yet another one of their policies. Some are. Yeah. No, we're just starting to see it now. The, the great thing is voters are starting to feel the impact of these policies, and they're, they're rejecting them wholeheartedly. I think that's what the 2022 election will be. Americans have to rise up. This yep. is the only way we'll win. Yep. Everybody needs to get involved at whatever level. I feel comfortable. Yeah, doing it. I agree. I agree. And that is the great moment. It's what the, the tools that our founding fathers gave us to do. So we have it. David, this book is great. Uh, remind people how they can get a copy of this book. Is it in uh, all the right places? Yeah, you can get this at Amazon. You can get it at frontpagemag.com. Uh, you can get it, I believe, at Walmart. It's all over the place. Yes, it's a, it's a oh, wonderful God. read. And I want to give you credit for something because, you know, sometimes people will read the book and say, well, he, he's on to something. You've been on to this for 10 or 20 years. I remember hearing you when I was editor of the Washington Times a decade more than ago, going to attending one of your conferences, speaking there. You were warning that this thing was creeping through the academia. We didn't even talk about that, but you were the first person to highlight the academic 
centers, the universities as sort of the breeding grounds for this anarchy. And uh, while this book really, I think, summarizes brilliantly where we are, uh, you deserve a lot of credit because 10, 15 years ago when it wasn't popular, you were you were speaking out. And, and I want to thank you for having the foresight to see this moment coming uh, long before many other Americans did. Just working out my karma, as we say, <laughs> when I used to live in California. That's it. Working out my karma. That's all I know how to do. Well, we're grateful that you have and that you spend so much time with us today. And uh, we wish you luck with the book and can't wait to get you back on the show. Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the David Horowitz conversation. Check out those stories. Daniel Payne, California polling on school choice. And, of course, Andrew Cuomo gets the taxpayers to pay for his defense lawyers. How about that? What a racket that is. All right, have a great night. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Be sure to look out for any new reporting on Daniel Payne. He is on the case of Anthony Fauci, COVID-19, and gain-of-function, important stories that should matter to us all. God bless and good night. Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.